And welcome to all of you who are joining us via video on our Wednesday night Bible study. This is where we take uh, a book of the Bible. We go through it one verse at a time to put it all in context. And I just love doing this. It's my favorite service of the week. We are in 1 Samuel. And uh, we are reading about the life of King David. Now, we are at the point where David is not king. He's just this young guy who goes out and slays Goliath, has all this confidence when everybody else was chicken, scared. He steps up, I can do this, God's with me. And he becomes a, an instant hero uh, to, the, to the nation for obvious reasons. I mean, they bring this great victory, kill, wipe out Goliath. Um, but then Saul, Saul has this major ego problem. When Saul was a humble guy, this is the first king of Israel, Saul. When he's a humble guy, God blesses him, uses him, but then he gets arrogant. And he gets all full of himself. And we remember where he runs off to this one place where they're dedicating a statue in his honor, you know. And he's quite thrilled with his own little glory. And uh, he starts becoming disobedient to God. And God finally has it up to here with this guy. And says, okay, from now on you're not going to be uh, king. And uh, I'm going to give the kingdom to somebody else. And uh, now, nothing happens right away when he says that. As far as God's concerned, it's done. Which is, we've talked about that. When God says something's done... It's done, even though it doesn't necessarily happen instantaneously as far as we understand time. But as far as God's concerned, he's taken the kingdom away from Saul and given it to David. It's just a matter of time before this transitions. Well, Saul sees how everybody loves David, and there's this little song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And the girls were singing the song, la, 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 la. becomes a famous song. Even the Philistines, their enemies, hear about this song. And uh, it marks David. He's this famous guy. Now, Saul hates him, becomes jealous of him, and sets out to kill him. And uh, we, we read this the last time we were together. Now, uh, tonight I want to take just a, a little bit of, of a detour, and I want to kind of take a look into the heart of David. The Bible says David was a, a man after God's own heart. God loved this guy, and uh, there was something really special about him. And uh, he was a musician, and, uh, and just... A guy who loved to worship and praise God. Now I want to pop over to, to the book of Psalms a little bit tonight and dance around this a little bit and, and, and put some of this in context. Now, first thing we know is that Saul sets out to kill David. Flip over to Psalm 59. Now the book of Psalms is, is uh, Psalm is a way of saying song. It's a book of songs. And uh, these are the songs, Psalms, many of them, probably most of them written by David. Not all of them, but... Uh, and some of these were written in some of the most trying and troubling times of his life, which we've been reading about. And uh, I want to give you some context for this. This is Psalm 59. At the beginning of the psalm, it says, this is written to the director of music, to the tune of Do Not Destroy, whatever that tune was. 4,000 years ago, everybody knew when. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Uh, uh, well, anyway, this is when Saul had sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him. So what was going through David's mind, his heart, what was happening to him as he's dealing with these troubles. Let's take a look at it. So he writes this song during this time when he knows that Saul's out to kill him. And he sings and he praises to God. He says, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. See how they lie in wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine. O Lord, I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. 
Arise to help me. Look on my plight, O Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. Uh, so anyway, he, he goes on and on. It's, uh, well, let's keep reading it. They return at evening snarling, snarling like dogs and prowl about the city. I'm talking about these guys who have to kill him. See what they spew from their mouths. They spew out swords from their lips and they say, who can hear us? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all those nations. O my strength, I watch for you, O God. You, O God, are my fortress, my loving God. Now check, check out this guy's heart. Uh, things are really going to the toilet in his life. People are literally trying to kill him. This isn't just, you know, I'm having a bad hair day. Okay? Now check it out. There are, and the reason I want to point this out is because there's people who get mad at God because stupid stuff happens. And they get all upset because things don't go the way that they expect. And they get angry at God. You know, I know, <laughs> I know people, people get mad at God because their boyfriend broke up with them. As if God had anything to do with it. It's just your boyfriend came to his senses. <laughs> mad at God because this isn't going, that isn't going, and my job is doing bad, and where are you, God? <laughs> the arrogance some people display before God Almighty. You're pointing at God, you're yelling at God, you're angry at God. Yo, reality check. Here's a man, his life is in the toilet. He's been blessed, he's succeeding, and now everything goes wrong, and he has to run for his life. And what is his attitude? I watch for you, O God, my fortress, my loving God. God will go before me and will let me gloat over those who slander me. How do you know that? He doesn't know that. Well, he does by faith. See, all he sees is he's about to die. But as he praises and worships God, Faith rises in his heart, and he knows he will be victorious and triumph. Why? He starts praising God in the midst of great trouble. Do not kill them, O Lord, our shield, or my people will forget. In your might, make them wander about and bring them down for the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips. Let them be caught in their pride. For the curses and lies they utter, consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. They return at evening, snarling like dogs, and prowl about the city. They wander about for food and howl if not satisfied. But I will sing of your strength. Now check it out. The guys with all the power, the ones with all the money, the ones with all the influence, the ones that people would think, gee, let's be envious of those guys. He portrays them as snarling dogs wandering about and howling when they don't get what they want. But then the guy who is... The loser, running and hiding. How does he view himself? But I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. Oh, my strength, I will sing praise to you. Oh, God, you are my fortress, my loving God. So here's a guy who's praising God and celebrating God's goodness in the midst of trouble. What happens when you do that? It awakens power in your life. God starts moving in your life. When you can start praising God and thanking God in the midst of trouble, wow, there's great power in praise. Now, it's easy to praise God when things are going great and we're in a safe place and it's cool and the band's jamming. I am free to run. Yeah, hoo, ha, yeah, no, it's cool. You like that? 
Who does that remind you of? Yeah, yeah, but the character he used to play. Ed Grimley. Remember Ed Grimley? <laughs> I used to love Ed Grimley. It's awesome. What am I talking about? Good heavens. It's easy to praise God like Ed Grimley when everything's great. But when you can sing and praise and rejoice in your blessings when life just, that's when God can start moving in your life. So anyway, so David runs, and uh, he goes to the town of Nob. Nob. Welcome to Nob. And uh, he goes, and you remember the story, this is, this is chapter 21 in 1 Samuel, where uh, we read this last week, where he goes in, and he goes to the head priest, and the priest says, what are you doing here? And David goes, uh, you know, I'm kind of on a mission. I'm on a mission from, uh, from Saul. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I'm running from Saul because he's trying to kill me. But he doesn't tell him that. And he wants to know if him and his guys can eat the holy bread. And you remember the story? You don't? <laughs> Anybody here? And, and the priest says, okay, as long as your things are clean, remember? Remember, your, your things are holy. <laughs> yeah, now we're waking up. All right, he's talking about things again. Pay attention, pay attention. <laughs> it's the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. There's, yeah, my, my thing's great. Everything's cool. And everybody's things are clean. And so they get in the bread. So anyway, uh, so now he's running and he goes to the city of Gath. And remember, this is a bad place. And... Uh, uh, in order to save himself, David has to pretend he's insane. Remember the story? He's, he's got a drool. And, and the people said, hey, isn't this the guy they sang the song? Saul is slain his thousands, but David is king of thousands. But look at him. He's a drooling idiot. I mean, this is humiliating. This is a young man who is a conqueror by nature. He has done incredible things, things we still talk about to this day. He has to humiliate himself, pretending he's a drooling slob who's lost his mind, so they leave him alone. And it works. So rather than kill him, they said, look, he's a drooling nitwit, man. Don't we have enough nitwits around here? Let's move on. So they just left him there. In the midst of that, David writes a song. Psalm 34. Check this out. By the way, you ought to bring your Bibles on Bible study night. Hence the phrase, Bible study. You know, it's that big book you use to put coffee on? Bring that with you next time. All right, now look at Psalm 34. David writes, this is a Psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. Here's his song after this humiliating, oh my God, life is horrible experience. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my lips. Man, how do you get to a place like this? I want to be like this. I want to be the kind of guy when life just sucks and it's horrible. And everywhere you go, there's this huge sucking sound over you. <laughs> to be able to praise God and thank God in the midst of horrible circumstances? This isn't a guy who just won the lottery. Easy to praise God then. I'll bet you some of you guys, even some of you people who just, you know, you don't even like raising your hand in church. You're just, I don't know. 
and you win the lottery tomorrow, you'll, yeah, woo, yeah. Hey, your hands are up. You don't even win the lottery all because the team gets the touchdown. Woo! So, <laughs> you know, I love this town, you know. In, in church, you know, there's inappropriate, inappropriate displays of, of emotion. Uh, we're, we're in church. There's an inappropriate display of emotion. You know, celebration people out there, you know, praising God. It's, don't you realize God is ticked off? You should shh, be quiet. Shh. <laughs> but these very same people put them in the green and gold cathedral and they become great worshipers, great praisers. Woo! Woo! Man, they got no problem praising them, do they? Well, here's a guy who isn't, his team isn't winning. He hasn't won the lottery, and he starts out, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This is a familiar psalm. You guys have heard of something, right, a lot of times? Let us exalt his name together. This is right after he has to pretend he's a blathering idiot, humiliating himself. And make no mistake, these were proud men. This is no girly man. David was a serious butt-kicking, killing machine. In fact, he, he had killed so many people, God wouldn't let him build the temple. Remember this? We'll see this when we get later into this. Because he'd killed so many. He was just one. I, you know, I really like, you know, every once in a while, what they did, a, a movie of David. But they always wuss out on these movies. Who was it? Richard Gere, the last one, you know. David was no Richard Gere. <laughs> right, come on, what kind of girly guy is this? David was a butt-kicking machine, killing things and just wiping up. Arnold, they should have Arnold. They should have Arnold Schwarzenegger doing the life of David. <laughs> I will praise the Lord. His praise would ever be in my mouth. <laughs> I will praise him and then I'll be back. <laughs> After I kill some people. <laughs> yeah! That's what I'm talking about. That was David. <laughs> I don't know why any of you come to this church. He said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Hello? Hello? What? I sought the Lord and he answered me? Where was the answer? He's running for his life. Everything's going horribly. The prophet had come to him and anointed him with oil and said, you're going to be the next king. And he just said, I didn't hear what's going on. He has these great victories, and all of a sudden now he's sitting at the gate. <laughs> and the next day, I oh, man, God has answered my prayers. Whew, I'm telling you, 
I don't know why God blessed this guy. Here's a guy who knew how to praise and thanks, thank God even when things were terrible in his life. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This is the man who just, his face was covered with drool. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. I had a drill to do it, but he saved me. See, he wasn't looking at the negative. He was looking at the positive. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers him. Very familiar. This is a very, very familiar psalm. Quoted all the time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing said the man who had to fake his way in front of the priest to get some food for him and his buddies and had to pretend to be a blathering idiot, praising God because God always takes care of him. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles. Now we're getting to it. See. A righteous man may have many what? Who does that sound like? Jesus said, in the world you shall have trouble, tribulation. You never find that verse in those little promise boxes. Pull that out. Today your life will be awful. You know, today you're going to be full of tribulation. He says, you will have tribulation. But he said, Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, Revelations talks about being an overcomer. To him who overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my kingdom. But people, you cannot be an overcomer if you don't have something to overcome. That's why only married people will get to heaven. <laughs> you single people, what do you got to overcome? No, I'm just teasing, just... Relax, breathe, smile. The righteous man may have many troubles. Indeed, this guy was having more than he could handle. But the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. By the way, uh, in the New Testament, it said that when he wrote this, he was prophesying of whom? Jesus. When it says that Jesus died on the cross, not one of his bones was broken. And, uh, and they said this was when he was in such an attitude of praise and worship during one of the most humiliating, miserable days of his life, he begins to prophesy of the Messiah to come. Wow. Say amen, or oh me, one of the two. All right, so now he goes from Blatheringville. 
And then he runs and he goes, hides in a cave. He hides in a cave. Let's look at Psalm 57. For the director of music, to the tune again of Do Not Destroy, apparently it was a popular song. Kept changing the words. When did he write this? When he had fled from, the, from Saul into the cave. Here he writes, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I mean, I... <laughs> Again, it's hard not to be stunned by this when you put it in context. When you just read it and you just think, gee, these are great words and this is encouraging. It's when you put it in the context of where he was at when he wrote this stuff. It's like, whoa. He fulfills his purpose for me when he felt like his purpose was going absolutely to the toilet. His purpose was, as God over the, through the prophet said, you're going to become king. King, I'm hiding in a cave. But I praise you, God, who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O oh God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake, I love it. Talks to a soul. Soul, wake up. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Whew. Pretty cool. Well, anyway, Saul comes along. And uh, when, when David is at Nob, by the way, hanging out at Nobsville, Sounds like where I grew up, Nielsville. Should have been called Nobsville. But uh, <laughs> he had to be there. Uh, over at Nobsville, uh, there is a guy there. Uh, his name is Doeg the Edomite. And uh, he's one of Saul's head shepherds. And uh, David knows he's there, but he doesn't say anything. Well, anyway, later, uh, Doeg the Edomite rats him out to, uh, to Saul. And, and he rats out the whole city. And all the kings said, you know, those guys helped him. You know, so they helped him. He, David was looking for bread. Now, did any of these guys know David was on the run? No, nobody knew it. Were these guys in cahoots with David? No, they didn't know anything. If anything, David brought great disaster into these people's lives. You talk about a man who should be racked with guilt. Because of him coming through that day and getting some help, Saul, who by now is insane with jealousy and has lost his mind, this guy is full of violence and insanity, he wipes out the entire city, kills everyone, takes all the priests of the Lord, 
who have sided with David. They knew he was fleeting, yet they did not tell me. But they didn't know. But he was paranoid. Yeah, everybody's out to get me. Yeah, I knew they were against me. And he kills them all, except for one. We read it. It's kind of where we left off last week, 1 Samuel 22, uh, verse 20. But Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, escaped and fled to join David. So he's one of the guys who got out of there uh, when he was killing all these people and killing the, um, the prophets of God. And he escaped to join David. And he told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abathar, that day when Doeg the Edomite was here, a dirty, rotten scoundrel, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul. Should have killed him when I had a chance. He says, I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. How would you feel if you did something that directly resulted in the murders of hundreds of people? I mean, how sobering is that? They didn't know what was going on. David hadn't told them. In fact, David told them he was on a mission from Saul. He said, well, he blatantly lied. Well, you know, kind of, a, kind of a convoluted lie. He was on a mission from Saul. Mission to get away from Saul. And then all these people are murdered. And wow. Wow, how awful is that? Look at Psalm 52. Psalm 52, for the director of music, a masculine, it's a term, musical term, of David, when Doeg the Edomite had gone to Saul and told him David had gone to the house of Ahimelech. You say, what does that mean? What does that mean? This is when, when, when Doeg, that rat, ratted David out and resulted in the deaths of so many innocent people. He writes here, why do you boast of evil, you mighty man? Why do you boast all day long, you who are disgraced in the eyes of God? Your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor, you who practice deceit. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see in fear, and they will laugh at him, saying, now he here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth, grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. Talking of God. And in your name I will hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. Here is a man who, if he was anything like a lot of us, would be just racked with guilt. Racked with guilt. You know, I know some of y'all struggle with, with your past, some of the guilt, some of the horrible mistakes that you've done. And, and make no mistake, you know, most of us here have, have messed up in some way or other. And, and uh, some of us got caught, some of us didn't. Some of us have, have done things that have hurt a lot of people. But man, once, once you get saved and you commit it to God, man, you've just got to move on and trust God and let him bring healing and praise God in the midst of even when you make 
tough, tough things like that. So anyway, I, I just thought maybe I'd give you a little bit of a, a little bit more of a, an insight into David's heart when he was going through these horrible, horrible circumstances. So let's pick it up now. This is chapter 23, 1 Samuel. Chapter 23, verse 1. This is after all this had happened. Then when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? So he prays, you know, before he goes into battle. God, should I go help these guys? And the Lord answered him and said, go, attack the Philistines and save them. But David's men said, said to him, here in, in Judah we are afraid. I mean, we're running, David. We're, we're having a hard time here. Life is tough. Remember, he's not by himself, by the way, through all this. He's, he has a band of men, hundreds of men who are with him, also suffering with him. And he says, man, there's tough things now. He says, how much more then if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? So David prays again. Once again, he inquires of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, go down, for I am going to give you the Philistines into your hand. So David goes and his men, and they went to fight. And they fought the Philistines and carried off their livestock, and he inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines because he is Arnold. He's a strong killer. No one can stop him. And he saves the people. Now, Abathar, the son of Ahimelech. Man, these people. What about just Bob? <laughs> Yeesh. Fred, George, Larry, something. Ahimelech. Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Keilah. Why is that important? Because he's going to... Uh, bring the ephod and he's going to pray when he gets the ephod. Let me talk to you a little bit about what the ephod is. Um, the Bible talks about this ephod thing and uh, there's some debate as, as, as exactly to what it was. Uh, generally, uh, most uh, scholars believe that the ephod is one of the uh, garments the priests would wear. Um, and then even that, they debate on exactly what garment it was because later we're going to find out that David dance before the Lord in his underwear, you know. What was the underwear? He wrapped his loins with the ephod, you know. So, you know, I don't know. What is the ephod? Is, is they wrapped around their loins? Was it holy underwear? I have no idea what this is. You know, is it some garment that was dedicated to God? I have holy underwear, but that's a different kind of holy underwear. But uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm on, though. But, uh, uh, you know, this, this is, this, this is, these are holy vestments that the priests would wear. And, um, uh, they would take these things and, and they would bring them as kind of a point of, of, of contact to release their faith in prayer. You know, they would bring something holy. Uh, at, at times we would read where they would bring the Ark of the Covenant. It was, a, it was a holy thing or something, you know, that was dedicated to God. And they would bring this thing and, and pray for it and, and communicate to God when they had this, this holy thing. Anyway. So anyway, Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah and had asked and said to him, God has handed him over to me. All right, I got him. I know where he's at now. Remember, he's chasing David, trying to kill him. For David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. So now Saul is just jamming. Got him now. Got him now. Because when I show up, there is no escape. Going to kill a lot of them. And David call, Saul called all his forces for battle to go, go down to Keilah. Uh, to besiege David and his men. 
Well, when David learned that Saul was plotting against them, he says to Abathar, the priest, bring the ephod. And David said, O Lord, God of Israel, as he prays, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, God of Israel, tell your servant. And he was just in connection with God. And when we pray, God would speak to him. Uh, God had also been speaking to Saul up until this time, you know, and sometimes God would speak to him in dreams, sometimes through prophets, sometimes, I don't know if these guys heard audible voices, I'm not sure exactly what was transpiring here, but they were able to pray and God answered. So he said, anyways, is Saul going to come down here and wipe out the city? And the Lord said, he will. And then David asked again, well, will the citizens surrender me and my men to Saul? Would they turn us over to them? even though he had just saved them. You would think there'd be a lot of goodwill, right? You know, David had just showed up and his men and had this big victory, wipe out the Philistines, save the town. You think David again, he's his hero, everybody loves him. And so David wisely prays. When Saul shows up, what are these guys, will they turn us over to Saul? And uh, the Lord said, they will. <laughs> so it was about time to leave town. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped, he did not go there. And David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was, was at Horash in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David. Remember, this, they were great buddies. They really loved each other. And uh, he says to him, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. He believed what Samuel had said in anointing uh, David. And I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. This is, this is what's driving Saul crazy. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home. Uh, but David remained at Horash. Now the Ziphites, those dirty rascals, the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah and said, Hey, is not David hiding among us in the strongholds of Horash on the hill of Hakilah? South of Jeshaman. <sighs> All right. Look over at Psalms. David writes a song about this. Psalm 54. This is when the Ziphites had gone to Saul and said, Is not David hiding among us? So now this is really bad. Now this is there. He's going from place to place. They're hiding all over Israel. They're in here. They're hiding in nooks and crannies. And Saul is chasing them around. David writes this psalm. Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Strangers are attacking me. Ruthless men seek my life. Men without regard for God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all my troubles. And my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. Again, continuing to praise God. So anyway, the Ziphites, those dirty little rats, rat him out. And then they say, now, king... Come down whenever it pleases you to do so, and we will be responsible for handing him over to the king. So the Ziphites were excited about this. This is going to be great. We know where he's at. You show up, we're going to turn him over to you. Yeehaw. Well, Saul replied, will the Lord bless you? 
for your concern for me. The Lord, here's a man who's so far from God, he doesn't even know how far God is from him. But he's going, well, the Lord bless you for helping me out here. Go, make further preparation. Find out where David usually goes and who has seen him there. They tell me he is very crafty, this little guy. Find out about all the hiding places he uses and come back to me with definite information. Then I will go with you. If he's in the area, I will track him down among all the clans of Judah. So they set out and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the desert of Maon in the Arabah, south of Jeshaman. Saul and his men began the search, and when David was told about it, he went down to the rock and stayed in the desert of Maon. When Saul heard this, he went to the desert in pursuit of David. Saul was going along. One. Now check, check out the, the drama here. There, he's chasing him. He's chasing him. Ooh, everywhere he moves, he's around him. And then this next paragraph. I love it. Saul was going along one side of the mountain, and David and his men were going on the other side, hurrying to get away from him. The heat is on, man. He's right on his tail, trying to kill them all. They are freaking out running from their lives. It's one thing when they're hiding. Now he's catching up and we're on one side of the mountain scrambling around. Saul's coming around the other side. It looks desperate. But God smiles down on David. Why? Because here's a guy who keeps praising him in the midst of misery. Here's a guy who keeps celebrating the goodness of God when things are looking terrible. So Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them. A messenger comes to Saul saying, Come quickly, the Philistines are raiding the land. Hallelujah. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. That's why they call this place Selah Hamahalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalakalak
So the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed. All right, maybe it was more than a leak. <laughs> this guy's obviously thinking very hard at whatever he's doing. Does not know David is sneaking up on him. And, and he sneaks up and he grabs a corner of Saul's robe and he cuts it. This guy was really thinking hard, man. I'm telling you, he, was, he wasn't aware of anything. But now check this out. Now, this is amazing. Saul is, by anybody's estimation, a slime bag. He has been disobeying God. He has been intentionally trying to kill David. What, two, three times he threw spears at the guy, trying to pin him to the wall. I think once would do it for me. You know, David stuck around for a while to figure out what was going on. After the third time, he finally takes off. He's got his armies chasing him all over his place. His life is hell. He's killing people. Anybody David talk, talks to is the kiss of death. He wipes them out. He's got to pretend he's a blathering idiot, humiliating himself. Life is hell for this guy. And now here is his enemy on a potty break. He could kill him in an instant. And it would be all over. He's defenseless. His mind is preoccupied. He doesn't kill him. All he does is cut off the end of his garment and then he sneaks back. All the guys are probably going. But it says afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. You got to be kidding me. Conscious, he felt guilty for cutting off, for cutting off his robe, but it cut off his head. But he felt guilty for doing this one thing. Why? Why in heaven's name would he feel guilty about cutting off the robe of a man who's trying to kill him? This we will look at next Wednesday. It's like 24, you know. Waiting to see what's going to happen next. All right, next Wednesday, we'll pick this up. It's a fascinating insight into the heart of David. Uh, it's, it's amazing. So this is cool. Y'all having fun? Cool. All right. All right, the ushers can come. And we'll get ready to take an offering. The musicians can come back up. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. It's good stuff. So much stuff you can learn from all this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blessings and your kindness in our lives. Lord, we pray now as we give back to you as an act of worship and praise. Lord, maybe even on a day where some of us maybe have not had a good day a frustrating day, a disappointing day. Help us, Lord, to be people like David who continue to praise you even in the midst 
of our greatest struggles and thereby see your hand delivering us, turning our circumstances around. Help us now as we give as an act of praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.